Episode 990 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. What is up, gang? We are coming at you a little later this week because we have a huge pay-per-view coming up in Chicago. Something that's never been done before. AEW and New Japan are putting on a spectacular show, Forbidden Door, down in Chicago this Sunday. But also, we wanted to figure out what all the matches were going to be after we saw Dynamite live in person here in Milwaukee. All the Keep the Kayfabe boys were there, uh, had great seats. Just happened last night. We're going to talk about some of the high points, maybe some of the low points, but we're also going to go into booking Forbidden Door and see who will be King Booker for this upcoming show. So let's get to know who we're talking with tonight. Over in Glendale, someone who keeps it regal, my guy, Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grabby? Here's the thing, Mike. I never wanted to be your father. I never wanted to be your father figure. You have a father, but your father is dead. That's probably a good thing because he'd be embarrassed and ashamed at how you turned out. (laughs) Oh, man. He is a savage tonight. Just like Christian Cage was last night. We're going to get into that in a little while. Good to see you again, Steve. Likewise. And for the record, Mike's father's not dead, so that was okay. He is alive and well. I just saw him this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day again, Tim Bate and all the fathers around the world. Unlike Jungle Boy, whose father is actually dead. Correct. All right. Let's cruise down the Bayview real quick. Talk to Mr. 420 himself. He keeps what? it freshly squeezed. <laughs> Mr. Matt Michelson. What up, Matt? How are you? Do, 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 po, 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 powerhouse. Nice. Yeah. Tribute yeah, we saw po- one of the children we saw last night at <laughs> AEW Dynamite. That was probably one of the most funs to keep uh, fun things to keep an eye on throughout the show. When you go to an AEW live event, um, not a pay-per-view, but a Dynamite. You're going to see Dark. You're going to see Rampage. You're going to see a two-hour show in Dynamite. So it's a long show. It's a lot of stuff. So, it is, you know, it can it can get a little long in places. But part of the fun of going to live wrestling is to see the crowd. I love going to AEW shows because you are basically at home. Like us boys here on the show, we are we are hardcore marks. We are hardcore wrestling fans, and pretty much everybody that goes to an AEW show is a hardcore. We saw a kid that sat in front of us last night. His name was Rallo. He got dropped off by his dad. I think he was like 15 years old. We were chatting with him all last night, too. Shout out to Rallo. Super nice kid. Super nice up, guy. Yeah. Yeah, for got sure. picked up after the show from his dad. He went down solo to see this because he wanted to see this action. So shout out to him. I thought that was super cool, but... What Matt was referring to was these kids. This one kid was leaning on the guardrail. He started um, on one quarter of the ring side, moved his way over to another corner of the ring, 
Um, but he was wearing like these overalls, one half unbuttoned, kind of like Powerhouse Hobbs, and it looked, and he kind of had his hair like Powerhouse Hobbs too. And then he had his little brother with him that had either Danhausen or Sting face paint on, who was just, you know, real, these kids did not sit down for four and a half hours, but we're like, oh, is that little Willie Hobbs and little Darby <laughs> down there? So I don't know. We'll have it's to great. figure that out. It was, kids- it was cool. These kids were super into it. The best part was at the end of the show when there was the massive beatdown and Jericho and Kingston are making their way through the crowd and the kids almost got caught in the crossfire. So, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah you go to an AEW show as a kid, you're you're asking for it. Um by the way, shout out to the one kid last night who uh during Christian Cage's promo was shown on national TV doing the shut the fuck up yes. chant. That really Oh my god, that's funny they showed that. I loved it. Had to been no more than 11 years old showing it. Uh, chanting, shut the fuck shut up. Shut the fuck up, yeah. But he was there with like, proud. yeah, three of his other buddies. One was in uh, full Preds, uh, Nashville Predators gear, too. So big ups to him. Uh, <laughs> yep. But it looks like, you know, it's a fun show for the whole family. I mean, there was some lewd uh, language last night. We'll get to that in just a second here. But um, yeah, wow. What a, it was a great show. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. And like I said, we're going into our prediction show. It's what makes Keep the Kayfabe uh, podcast famous, where we run down the card of matches. And we got a lot to get to for Forbidden Door. But we we're going to hit the highlights real quick here. Uh, you heard Steve's intro just a second ago. He's referring to Christian Cage coming out as a heel for the first time on AEW. And what a true professional... Dare I say, this could be some of Christian Cage's best work in his career because he kind of gets overshadowed by Edge a lot for some of the stuff that he has done. But as a solo, he looked like just a natural out there. And he got the crowd hot right off the bat. Did he not, Steve? Absolutely. I mean, that was, I mean, in the hands of, you know, like there's these guys like Daniel, Brian Danielson is beloved. But when he wanted to flip the switch and turn into a heel, he's so damn good at what he does. It worked and people were booing him. It's like the most respected guy in the business. And I think Christian, who is just eminently just good on the mic, in the ring, even at whatever age he is now, late 40s, 50, whatever Mm -hmm. he is. And for him, like we all knew the heel turn was coming and it finally happened. And like just like spitting fire. And like, of course, he did the tried and true ripping on Milwaukee and all that. Yeah. And the crowd starts booing, booing, shut the fuck up, all that stuff, mm-hmm. the little kid included. And then, yeah, it's just, I mean, he had the crowd in his hands like putty. And that's what I love. Like, that's just the hands of a true professional there. And um, I made the comment, um, to somebody today like he basically like out mjf to mjf that was like a great promo and it was just you know like mjf whatever storyline they're doing right now he was always the one to really bring the edge on the show like this was like edgy and great like freaking bringing up jungle boy's dead dad and stuff it was just money and like I, i love that i don't know for some reason there's things that sometimes happen where i think they cross the line you know the family was probably 100 percent supportive of like him bringing that up so it was, it was great well it works so good i'm glad you brought up the mjf in that sentence because we've seen mjf use jungle boy's father luke perry mm-hmm. who has passed away before and we're like oh but this is the first time that we've seen a guy as nice as christian cage like you know good canadian boy 
with Edge, you know, great yep. career. I mean, to, for him to stoop that low and to use it, I think that's why it got over so much because, like, you, you could expect that kind of low blow from MJF, but for Christian Cage to use it, yeah. I was taken aback, and I think the whole crowd was too. What would you think about that, Matt? I, I was taken aback too. Um, I think every segment leading up to this one, the crowd was – okay in terms of how hot they were for the different segments of, of course the crowd started out super hot uh, like every aew show um but you can tell that if the show doesn't really build momentum right out of the gate you can lose the crowd pretty easily i don't think they did that but i definitely know in watching this christian cage promo that he got the crowd to attend immediately um mm-hmm. and he just held everyone there for what was the promo like eight minutes something like yeah, that. yeah it was long felt like 20 yeah, it was really long um but every bit of it just was as hot as the last bit of it. So totally memorable promo. And I really love how he actually uses that as a piece of advice for some of the folks in AEW who are up and coming. You know, do something memorable more than a week, right? Super mm-hmm. just what a great heel promo. Um, Some of the podcasts I've listened to that I always tend to reference on this show have talked about how Christian Cage is super underrated and really good at being a heel. Um. Honestly, you know, last time I saw Christian prior to his AEW run was probably in WWE in the late 90s. And since then, you know, I I didn't see his time in TNA. I've barely watched Impact Mm -hmm. TNA, any of the other products he's been a part of. But after seeing this heel turn last night, I'm so glad that I'm seeing Christian Cage as a heel. And just, you know, having heard these stories and not really having experienced it, but just kind of taking it, at you know, for what it's worth. Um, But now actually being able to see it you know, in, in the present is just super cool. I'm really happy that this is where they're headed with him. Yeah, this is perfect. Sometimes predictable is good. It's like, we all knew this was coming, but then when it finally comes and delivers the way it did, it was like, it's just, I mean, like I just remember Charlie who's not with us today. Cause he's uh, doing a, uh, what is that? Modeling uh, underwear, underwear modeling model. or whatever he does once in well, a while. Well, he's going to forbidden door model. down in Chicago, um, but that's where he gets his gigs is in Chicago. So he's yeah, working smarter, yeah. not harder. He's keeping a triple H down in Chicago. Efficient, absolutely. Efficiently. But I just remember him and I looking at each other in the moment, like with those wide eyed, like, oh, dude said that. And like just cheering our heads off because like great heel work is just money. But um, I think the other thing that was interesting is, you you know, okay, we all knew he was going to turn, but his explanation was not what I expected. Like you kind of think that the, the predictable thing would be, you know what? I picked you up. I was mentoring you and you blew it. But mm-hmm. no, his whole thing was you pissed me off and cost me money when you eliminated me for that battle Royal. So I pretended to be your mentor all this time yeah, to get and back at I, you at the right time. So it was like, like that was like even more heelish is that he never had good intentions. And then when he didn't give him when he wasn't present with them, when he lost the belts to the young bucks, the one time that he wasn't there, they lost. So it's like, yeah. Oh, you know, you're nothing without me, and I'm here yeah. to make money. Just punch, you know, the time card. I'm here to make money. I don't give a shit about you or putting over younger talent. I'm in it for the money. So that pissed off Luchasaurus, who comes yes. down, and he is choking Christian Cage in the corner. Christian's like, we need to talk. We need to talk. I don't want to say it in front of these stupid Milwaukee motherfuckers, and uh, let's go talk in private. So now... I am kind of really, really interested because Luchasaurus has always been one of my favorite wrestlers. I don't talk yeah. about him enough, but I really, really love him. Always I since, do too. like, day one. I just think it's awesome to have a dinosaur in wrestling. 
And um, now to see maybe a heel dinosaur, we're going to see an angry Tyrannosaurus Rex. Maybe the, the mask is no longer green. It's going to be like black or, <laughs> you know, like he's going to be like Christian Cage is going to be in charge of this guy. So it could get really creative from here on out. And he referenced Marco's stunt. Be like, yes, Luchasaurus, don't do what Marco did. Or, like, let's not have another Marco situation here. Marco's stunt got released from the company. Talk some sense into Luchasaurus. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't choke this guy out. I don't want to get released. I want my job. So he might be hitching his wagon. The Christian Cage, we're going to see a new valet for a heel Luchasaurus. That could be fun. And don't forget the detail. Luchasaurus was headed towards... What became a recurring theme of the evening, the face tunnel, and Christian led him down the heel tunnel. That was perfect. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure if that made it onto TV, but for those oh, of yeah, us in I the don't audience, know. it it was it was just a nice touch. And if you guys didn't see it on TV, what ended up happening, like Steve said, as Christian's leading Luchasaurus out of the arena and going up the ramp, they start to head towards the face tunnel, but then he quickly turns him and brings him down the heel tunnel. With a so. smirk. With like a little smirk and a wink or something like that. It's really interesting, this whole angle to me, because I feel like every time on pro wrestling TV that you see a guy try and trick a face like this, it doesn't last longer than a single segment, right? Like the face never really falls for it. But the way Christian cut this whole promo and is laying all this out, it it does feel somewhat believable. Like his... His opinion is grounded in reality. Like, like yeah. everything he's saying as a heel is true. So I think th- that being the case, Luchasaurus is buying into what Christian's telling him. And right. you know, obviously we all see what's happening because we're the fans sitting there watching this story unfold. But, you know, if this were an actual thing that was happening, it's possible that Luchasaurus might actually fall for it and follow him out of the arena. If this were an actual thing that was happening, he probably wouldn't be a man dressed as a dinosaur, but you get my idea. So, um, <laughs> Details. But, yeah, but you know, leading him out of the arena the way they did, it's just a really cool wrinkle that I don't think we've exactly seen in pro wrestling, at least in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's funny because there was like this just theme with with the tunnels that never has happened really before. We all knew there was sort of a heel tunnel and a face tunnel. And there was like moments where Cody would tease going down one and then go down the other. But that was like multiple references this time. And yeah, I don't know if this one made it on TV, but like Brian Danielson promising his replacement and, and then saying, you know, you got to remember, I came down the heel tunnel. I'm not going to tell you who it is like. They haven't overtly referenced that tunnel as much as they did last night. Right. Definitely. There could be a spirit in the air with New Japan wrestling, um, you know, some old school uh, traditions being, they might be just trying to culminate it all to get excited for this upcoming Sunday. It's Forbidden Door happening down in Chicago. And um, Charlie's going to be there. He's not with us tonight, but he's got to be super stoked because he's going to see an amazing card. We're going to run that card down for you right now. We're going to book that card to the best of our ability to find out who is going to be King Booker. And, um, you know, I first off, before we get into the game, I'm kind of wishing there was more like New Japan versus AEW, like the wrestlers, like continents collide. Because it seems like this is a really, really cool pay-per-view, and it's very historic, but there hasn't been enough, like, on the line. I mean, they're basically just playing for pride, 
Um, there's not enough because we just don't know enough about these guys. I thought it would be a little bit more. Um, I don't know, like team camaraderie in mm-hmm. both promotions, and like let's see who's the best in the world. You all know the, you know, you guys are gonna be here for it. Let's see how this all plays out. Do you do you guys agree or disagree? I I definitely agree. Um, this could have been booked way simpler than it has been. Um, some of the stories that mm-hmm. have led up to this show just feel so forced and almost WWE adjacent. So I think that's left a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths, or at least it's led to people not being as hyped for the show as they could be. Now, right. on the night, I'm sure it's going to be phenomenal because you put enough of these really talented people in a ring and you take away the story element and just say, go put on a four or five star match. They're going to do it and it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, a Absolutely. night of that. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think, you know, just to kind of think ahead a little bit more beyond just this show, because Mike, you talked about how you wished, you know, we saw more, you know, camaraderie or just matches between New Japan and AEW. I think this first pay-per-view might spin off into some other really cool matches or just situations. Like one really good example, let's say FTR wins the IWGP tag belts, right? That's a pretty big commitment that they're going to have to constantly defend and, you know, be on New Japan TV for. So it could lead to FTR going to Japan, you know, for bits at a time, which mm-hmm. could be great for both promotions because FTR gets to run around the world and tear up all the belts and just, you know, be the best team that which they are. But also it frees them up and frees up their space on AEW television so we can start to see some of the other roster members come up because this is something we talk about like every week is AEW's roster is massive and they just unfortunately don't have enough TV time for everyone or enough time to really even let storylines land as well as right. So so if they can start to let more people work in New Japan and then come you know, bounce back over to AEW when the time is right. I think it's a good thing for both companies. I was just going to say, no, I think Matt said it all very well, but I think I would echo that. I, um, I mean, okay, let me first say I am a knowledgeable wrestling fan. I know who most of these Japanese wrestlers are, but I do not watch new Japan regularly. So I am definitely not in this like hardcore fan, like that, like geeks out, like Tanahashi shows up and I like crap my pants, like type thing. But I recognize the greatness of these guys and stuff. So I'm kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, I think there's a couple things. One, injuries did not help. I mean, there were some key things they were angling for that they had to course correct. CM Punk got hurt. Brian Danielson got hurt. So on and so on. Adam Cole got hurt. Although he's still in that match, right? So I guess he's on the card. Right. Um, But anyway, um, it just felt unnecessarily cobbled together. It's like they knew this show was months in advance happening, but then all of a sudden in the last two weeks, it's like, oh yeah. And then like just Chris Jericho comes out and mentions a bunch of Japanese wrestlers that like three quarters of the audience probably doesn't know. And we're going to wrestle them in an eight man. And it just, it's a hard, maybe that's all they meant it to be. was this really awesome. It's a real awesome exhibition. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. like Matt said it, like, you know, this show is going to be great. Like we're going to sit down on Sunday and walk away. Like that was a hell of a lot of fun. So they're going to deliver, but, but it just felt like they guys, could have put more attention into it. Yeah. But for guys like the, that are kind of that like AEW that don't know these wrestlers, 
I don't think they did a good enough job selling this paper. I agree at all because like, that's most of their. I'm gonna say that. I mean, they got a hardcore fan. Like AEW has appealed to that hardcore nerd fan that like a lot of us are. But that's also not their. I I, I guess I I I'm not gonna guess and make up numbers, but. I would guess it's less than 50% of their audience that knows who all these wrestlers, these Japanese wrestlers are. And that's a yeah. real risky thing to do then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Definitely. totally agree. Um, I mean, we could talk about this topic all night and obviously we want to get to the game, but just to kind of hammer this home, we've talked about this on past episodes. Charlie and I both watch new Japan. So I am familiar with at least the big names in new Japan, most of whom are actually going to be on the forbidden door card, which is awesome. Um, and I, I, Steve, I still agree with you. The way they got there was just so cobbled together and almost seemed kind of unnecessary. I think part of it is the politics between the two companies and the desire to get as many people on the card as they could. So it's like, okay, well, rather than having a one-on-one title match, let's have a fatal four-way or something like that. Right. Um, so I can, I can kind of understand that at the same time, if you're going to build matches like that, you can't just assume that we know who these people are. I mean, Excalibur tries. I'll say oh, yeah. he does a great job at least stating who these people are and why we should care. At the same time, though, I don't feel it. You know, like I'm being told it, but I'm not being shown it. And I think had we been shown a little bit more ahead of this pay-per-view, I think it probably would have been received much, much better than it has been. But that's neither here nor there because on the night it's going to be great. So let's get to the night of. Damn right. We spent a lot of time talking about how we're not, like, happy with it, but let's get psyched and play King Booker, keep the kayfabe style. Let's remind everybody who the King Booker is on this show, and you're listening to him right now. Mm. It's Mike Bate, me. Mm-hmm. I uh, claimed it off of Steve Grobschmidt, off of AEW Double or Nothing this past, and I was very concerned about retaining my title going up against Matt and Charlie, but since Charlie's not here, I don't think it's going to be that tough. I think um, I'm going to do a very good job, and I'm going to take a page out of one of the greatest presidents slash leaders slash persons of courage and character, Donald Trump. If I don't win, it's rigged. So <laughs> let's uh, get uh, to the you're, rules. You're, the you're, you're establishing yourself as the heel. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Charlie's not here, I guess I got to. But... um. All right, so how we play King Booker here is we run down the card. We pick what uh, matches, how they're going to go down, who's going to be the winner. We're going to throw some stipulations in for bonus points. And we do this thing on the show where we find out who will pick last because you get a distinct advantage because you want to offset the other people's picks. So we play a little game uh, that the King Booker lays out to see who has the honor of picking last to steal a point on their opponents. So, me being the King Booker, I came up with a stipulation of to see who Matt or Steve will go last. On this past AEW Double or Nothing, Mike, current King Booker, did not make it to the end of the show. Mm. He actually passed out early drinking margaritas. What type of margaritas was he drinking? Ooh, uh... Matt, I'm going to go with frozen. Just standard, plain old flavored frozen margaritas. All right. No. Before I give you extra hints, Steve, do you know what type of margaritas? 
Lime. Incorrect. It uh, it was a distinct fruit. I it, you can listen to it on our um result show. Ooh. I said we got a piece of fruit delivered to us that was enormous. Oh, and I got I wanted it. to. Do- it's watermelon, Matt. Correct. That count. That's your second answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay yes so on the prediction I'm show i actually i was king booker and i actually passed out before the end of the show uh of double or nothing because i drank too many watermelon margaritas and uh matt you have the honors of going last now so steve and i have to pick before you wait on a, on a, sorry i have a ahead. better answer bob orton <laughs> We'll save that for a future show. Anyway. We'll see. So, on a card that's already pretty tumultuous, and it's going to be hard to pick, we're going to run this down quickly. Um, we'll spend a little time on each match. Not too long because, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about. we got to get through. So, let's start at the top. One that is very hard to pick right off the bat. This is a match that is a... Six-man tag team match. It is between Shota Umino, Wheeler Yuta, and Eddie Kingston versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Ty Conti, and Minoru Suzuki. We saw this big brawl last night. Um, it was pretty crazy. Um, pretty much a ton of like the Bullet Club and the Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society all came out. It was Melee, and I think that was the end of Rampage, if I'm not mistaken. It was a long show. But if I need to make a pick, I'm looking at all of these names. I'm seeing Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki over Shota Umino, Wheeler Yuta, and Eddie Kingston. I'm going to pick Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki on this one. Just mm. because I'm not really familiar with Shada. I'm not even saying this guy's name right, probably. And Wheeler Yuta is so hot right now that he can afford a loss. Eddie Kingston does what he does. He starts the show hot. He's not afraid to lay down and take a pin. Chris Jericho has an ego. Sammy Guevara has an ego. You're not going to... And Tony Khan is not going to have Minoru Suzuki lose at Forbidden Door because of the veteran that he is and the respect that he has for him. So I'm going Chris Jericho, Appreciation Society, and Suzuki. It's an interesting answer. Um, So here's what I'm weighing in my vast brain, is that this is a two-part prediction, really, because I feel like who's ever going to win this match on Sunday... I feel like the other team is going to win blood and guts. Otherwise it's not that compelling and blood and guts is essentially probably going to be the blow off the feud. I would think Mm -hmm. like the culmination. So really who we're predicting here is who's not going to win the feud. Is that a fair way of looking at it? I hear you. And I'm glad I picked who I picked. That's what, so you're essentially saying that Eddie Kingston and company are going to win the feud blood and guts. Yeah, right. That's what. Yeah, I'm just so I'm I'm just sounding this out because I'm allowed to do that. So, yep. I am going to predict 
that as well, that the Jericho Appreciation Society is going to win this match because I think Eddie and his crew are going to get the blood and guts victory and um, put this one to bed. That's a good prediction. Yeah, yeah, very good logic. Um, Going into this, I was actually thinking we were going to see Eddie Kingston, Wheeler, Yuta, and... I, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name correctly either, but that team, I thought we would see them win this match, but I think you guys make a lot of good points, and I not even thought about Blood and Guts coming up after Forbidden Door as almost like a second part of this rivalry. So all that being said, I'm also going to go with the Jericho Appreciation Society as winning this. Alrighty. So that'll they be a wash. We're all going to be cheering for the Jericho appreciation society daddy magic is not going to be in attendance but the, he no, stole the show we uh started a daddy magic chant last night boys and i th- want to say the whole arena was chanting it with us we did get i asked a buddy of mine and at the end of the show there and he didn't hear it because there was just such bedlam but i want <laughs> right. to watch list watch it myself because i feel like we got a sizable chant going there and if i hear the words Da- or if any of you listening hear the words daddy magic on dynamite you, we can say with certainty it was because of keep the kayfabe yep true that post in the comments let us know we if did you start it. that chat yep send us a note at keep the yes, kayfabe please. Four at gmail.com or on facebook or instagram at keep the kayfabe moving on and another one that's going to be bedlam darby allen hero takahashi shingo Takaji and Sting, also known as dudes with attitudes. Is that what they're calling themselves? Well, yeah, because Sting, like, I, okay, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not even going to attempt, but that was a name of a team that Sting put together in, I think, the 90s with like Luger and stuff. So, like, uh-huh. they're bringing back an old school name for a, ta- a team, which is awesome. Fuck That's yeah. a WCW thing there. That is really cool. And they're cool. going up against uh, the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson and the Bullet Club, El Fantasmo and Hikulio in the eight-man tag team match. <laughs> so All so right. for our listeners out there who aren't familiar <laughs> with New Japan, um, I actually do recognize some of these names. So I'll, I'll just clarify them quick. Not by me you... saying them, though. Well, I'll just say them quick, but then I also want to give our listeners a little bit of background on who each of these guys is. So if you are watching Forbidden Door, it's just nice going into this knowing a little bit about what to expect. So um, Hiromu Takahashi, um, super cool character. When I was watching New Japan a couple years ago, uh, he's just very eccentric, almost sort of like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in a way, just his mannerisms and... Just the different things he does. He he's done a lot of crazy neck spots. He actually broke his neck a couple of years ago and was out for over a year, I want to say. So the fact that he's classic wrestling injury. It is. It's very classic, especially in Japan. Um, so the fact that he's back though and wrestling is awesome. Super cool to watch in the ring. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, the other name Mikey mentioned was Shingo Takagi. He mm-hmm. wrestled Okada, I believe. In recently like within the last year or two and that match was critically acclaimed by everybody um as being one of the best new japan matches ever so i am super excited to see what shingo does in this kind of a situation i you know when you have got eight guys you know fighting it's either got to be a very controlled tag match which just can be like 
kind of overwhelming visually, or it's got to be like an anarchy in the re- in the arena match where you have guys everywhere just duking it out. Now, if that's the case, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's um, an eight man tag team match. It is. Yeah, yeah. I what I'm curious about is if they at the last minute decide to do like a tornado style match where everybody just brawls all over the arena because you're not mm-hmm. really going to get much in terms of like wrestling or quality, you know, wrestling. Um, so if they wrestle this like an eight man tag match, you know, where guys are tagging in and playing by the rules, I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal match and you'll actually get to see a little bit of what each of these guys can do. Great. Well, Steve, I went back and um, checked. I picked last. So why don't you lead us off this time, my friend? I can do that. I'd be happy to. I guess I got very simple logic on this one. Sting's undefeated Mm -hmm. since he's been in AEW. And I don't think they're going to blow that on this pay-per-view. So Sting's team's going to win. Hmm. And dudes before with I attitudes. dudes with attitudes, before I give up the microphone, I feel as the resident professor of old school wrestling on this podcast, um, the dudes with attitudes was a team that went up against the four horsemen in 1990 that consisted of Sting, Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, Paul Orndorff, Lex Luger, El Gigante, and the Junkyard Dog. Not too shabby. So it's like, I love that they're like, you know, very few fans are going to get that reference except old dudes like me. But that's cool. That Sting kind of brought back an old name. Right. Well, and if you want to get Tony Khan hard and you want to win your match against some other great wrestlers like Young Bucks and the Bullet Club, you got to come out with a WCW name and he will make you win. So that's why I am also picking Sting. Um, you're not going to waste the dudes with attitudes name in a loss. They're going to win. So I am also picking sting. Yeah. I think that, you know, sting, like I said earlier, just to, I guess to rehash is that they've done this really good job of protecting him. It's not like he's really putting other people down. He's still putting over young talent like Darby, but he's got this larger than life persona where he's literally not lost yet. I just think right. a throwaway kind of eight man or whatever it is match here is not where he's going to get handed his first loss. Well, and Darby Allen is not going to lose for little Darby uh, that we saw last night ringside. <laughs> yeah, this is that's this right. Is a really tough. One little Darby's me. counting on him. Yeah, yeah. He's still standing. Um, so I don't really know where I stand on this one, honestly, because you think about it, this is a co-promoted event. Like, we are AEW fans, so I think we're thinking of them as the home team. Like, well, they got to win, right? I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Um, Steve, I agree with your logic. I think Sting being involved and not having lost a match definitely says something. At the same time, there's plenty of other guys on Dudes with Attitudes who could take the pin, and Bullet Club is probably the most over faction in the world, especially in new Japan. Fair. So, uh, you know, I don't know. And with the bucks recently winning the tag titles, I, it wouldn't There's look good that. on them to lose either. So yeah, this is a tough one. I, I think I'm just going to have to flip a coin, make a choice. And I'm going to go with the bullet club on this one. Great. Oh, very good, Matt. Good strategy there going uh, picking last and just to reiterate to all the folks who are new to the show we have a thing called the kickout where any of the people participating in the game can change their vote only once use one kickout per show 
and that goes until we say our famous tagline at the end, Triple H, and we can use that at any time. So, very good, Matt. I like your logic there as well, my friend. Let's go to another match, to a belt that is going to be donned by a great champion. It is a brand new belt. It is the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. It's going to be a four-way match. I thought it was going to be tournament style, do a semifinal, and then do a one-on-one championship. But no, they're doing four men in the ring all at once. It's going to be Pac, Miro, Tomohiro Ishii, and Malachi Black. All in the ring, all at once. All talented wrestlers, all unbelievable competitors. Only one champion is going to be crowned. So... I love all of these people. I don't know a ton about Ishii. I want Malachi Black to win this. But after seeing um, Miro cut the promo on all the participants after last night on Dynamite saying he's going to, you know, make sure you get right with God because I'm going to kill all you guys and you're going to go meet God pretty soon and... You know, I'm going to be there with my lovely wife and my gold and blah, blah, blah. Like, he's saying he's a god. And honestly, this is a beautiful belt. And I don't think it would look any better on anyone else other than Miro. The dude's intro music is unbelievable. His bod is incredible shape. And all it needs is a belt. And this is it. It's happening. It's going down with Miro. What do you say, Steve? So I do have to submit some breaking news here that I don't think will alter your prediction, nor will it alter mine. But Ishii was injured during his eliminator match with someone that Charlie, if he were here, would be appalled that I don't know who it is. But Clark Connors. Oh, I thought that was fake. Yeah, I looked that up on Wiki and I was like, oh, this is a fake site. Like, this is a fake card. I don't want to look like an asshole on the show. So So, essentially they confirm that Ishii's out and Clark Connors, who he beat, is going to replace him in this match. Now, I don't think I'm not entertaining that any of the those that neither guy is going to win the title here. This is an AEW title. And. I don't even know why I'm wasting words. I've felt since the minute they launched this this title in this tournament that it's Miro's for the taking. I think Malachi Black being in there is interesting, and he'd certainly be a wonderful champion. But mm-hmm. this has got to go to Miro. He's back. He's got this awesome larger than life persona. He's kind of like he's just compl- incredibly over. Give him this title, and it'll instantly make this title interesting. So Miro mm-hmm. all the way. For those of our listeners who don't know much about Tomohiro Ishii, his nickname is the Stone Pitbull, and the guy just no-sells the most insane moves you've ever seen. Um, He almost seems unbeatable in some of his matches, which is so cool. It's what makes him such an amazing guy. Um, When Jon Moxley first left WWE and was starting to do some appearances for New Japan, he had a match against Tomohiro Ishii, and the bell rang, and the two just basically ran at each other and just put their heads against each other's foreheads. And that that's before that spot was overdone. Cause I feel like every match now guys do that. Um, but it was very new and fresh at the time. And it was a five-star match, like immediately, like, you know, right after the bell ring, you could tell uh, yep, this is all timer. So, and it was, so Tomohiro Ishii is amazing. So I personally am really 
sad that he's not going to be able to compete in this match. At the same time, Steve, to your point, it's an AEW title. I wouldn't have seen him winning anyway. I think it would have been a really fun element to mix into everything else. Miro's got to win this. I'm on board with the Miro train all the way. When we were at AEW Dynamite Live last night, the response in the building for Miro was noticeably better than all the other guys who are involved in this match. And if that alone doesn't tell you, I mean, the guy's promos are fire. Everything you guys just talked about, I second it. So Miro all the way, and that belt's going to look amazing around his waist. I, I know we've talked in past weeks about... I personally don't really care for the All-Atlantic title. I think it's just a way to try and make somebody else seem more important than they are. And and they are important, don't get me wrong, but it's one more story that AEW then has to book, which they're already struggling with. So hopefully when Miro wins this belt, it it's feels like his TNT title run where it felt like a big deal. So yeah, Miro definitely to win it, and hopefully it leads to really interesting storylines going forward. Well said. Thank you. Most definitely, Matt. All right, so we're all in agreement that Miro is going to be the inaugural All-Atlantic champion. We've talked a lot about a a lot of men in the ring, a lot of meat in the ring. Let's talk about two lovely ladies that are going to be going at it in the ring at Forbidden Door real quick. It's Thunder Rosa, current champion, Versus Tony Storm. Okay. Could this be a steal? Could Tony <laughs> Storm upset Thunder Rosa? Thunder Rosa's had her championship for not a long time. But they've invested in Tony Storm. She's looking great. She looks like a champion. She's in incredible shape. She's got the ex- the worldly experience. This is very tough. Ah, man. I don't want to bet against Tony Storm. But I'm current King Booker, so I'm going to play it safe. If I was not King Booker, I would go with Tony Storm because I love her. I think she's incredible, and she would be a great AEW Women's Champion. But I'm going to play it safe like a pussy. Not my game, but... I think Thunder Rosa is going to win this match. Not Tony's time yet. No pun intended. Well, Mike, you bring up a lot of good points. And, um, yeah, boy, you kind of gave me a flicker of doubt there because you were saying, like, boy, that could really throw us a little bit of a swerve there. Is Tony Storm deserving of being the face of the division? Absolutely. I mean, she mm-hmm. A, looks like a million bucks. B, she's a really good wrestler, uh, and mm-hmm. fans love her. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to steal a little of Matt's thunder, because this is a conversation we've had before, and we had it again last night, as great as Thunder Rosa is, this title run has just been lackluster. And... Um, I just, yeah, you know, I'm one of the big, I I was like when the minute she debuted because the NWA and all that, I was like the kind of the first of us that knew about her and was, I've been a fan of her from day one. She's your girl. She's my, yeah, she, I, I, for a while there, I said, she's my favorite wrestler, male or female. Um, I just feel some of that's been lost. So, I mean, as much as I like her, would it upset me to see her lose the title? Actually, no, because I think this title reign has been kind of lame. 
I too feel the need to be conservative though, because she just won it. It's like, I think Tony storm could very well win it and make some shake things up a little bit, but I think I'll go, I'll play the odds that the champ's not ready to give it up yet. So I'm going Thunder Rosa. That's an interesting pick. Um, until earlier today, I was going to go with Thunder Rosa as well. I was listening to some podcasts, as I always do, and two things came up that I think are going to change my decision. Um, I'm mm. going to go with Tony Storm, and I'm going to lock that in, but I want to give the reasons why. So Please do. Recently, Thunder Rosa has been apparently really frustrated with like storylines, booking, backstage with AEW, particularly the women's division. Obviously, her match with Serena Deeb was phenomenal, right? And I wonder, where does she go from here? And between that and the frustration backstage, I almost feel like that could blow back on her a little bit. Um, And we haven't seen this from AEW, really, at least not that we know of. But I could see it happening where maybe Tony Khan or somebody just gets frustrated with Thunder Rosa and decides, you know what, let's put the belt on somebody else and, you know, we won't have to deal with this quite as much. So I could see it going to Tony Storm for that reason. The other reason I would say they're going to put it on Tony is because she has skyrocketed to the top of the card um, ever since coming into AEW, I think. But it hasn't felt forced. I, I think, you know, when we were at Dynamite last night, we saw the match between Tony Storm and Marina Shafir. And both those women have really climbed the ranks quickly. Marina Shafir, on the other hand, though, just took the air out of the building. I mean, for the lack of like, a and she does every time. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because technically I'm sure she's a phenomenal athlete. Um, it's just translating over to pro wrestling on TV. It just doesn't work. Um, and it's really, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever going to work either because like, if I can just have the floor for just one second, I was thinking about this today. Like, you know how her music is that violin music? It's yeah. really slow and it's so dangerous. But she takes losses too. Yeah. Like to big people. You normally when you play like like this slow violin, you're just like this weird killer that like, just like, like has Walter. this Yes. Yes, exactly. That has like this killer instinct that will tear anybody apart, but then has like this soft side that just like needs to calm down, comes back down the earth and listens to classical music. It doesn't work with her. Because she's already taken loss. Like, if you're going to have soft music, you should be undefeated. Second, she's a the, oh, she's like the only fighter, like MMA fighter, that's trained in all these different formats of fighting and hurting people. Like, legit hurting people. But you're in a business that is choreographed and thought out of who the winner could be. So... And there's nobody else like her in the division already. So when she goes up against people that are trained to choreograph and make matches and violence look beautiful to somebody who is just trained to hurt you, I don't know. Like, I, me personally, I don't watch MMA because I'm I'm a fucking guy who just doesn't like seeing people get pummeled. Amen. I don't like seeing cauliflower ear. I don't like seeing people get I like the fake shit. busted open round by round. Yeah. Like, I enjoy the storytelling and I like the choreograph violence. I don't I don't tune into MMA. I don't get up for the pay-per-views. Um but I guess it's smart if you're trying to get MMA people in, but is Maria 
Shafir the person that's going to get you in? No way. No, like her so, or not, Ronda Rousey is the person to get you in. Exactly. Not right. not a Marina Shafir. Absolutely no. not. And it's like, and and she doesn't. She just comes out of the tunnel. She doesn't acknowledge the crowd. She's got this hood on. She doesn't look around. She like goes down there as a train kill, killer with some violin music, and loses to yeah. Britt Baker <laughs> or yeah. Thunder Rosa or like. So what is the goddamn point? I think it's kind of beyond repair unless they really throw us something unexpected with her. It's not working. It's totally not working agree. For me. So no, I think you. I think you nailed it, and I think it's not working. The crowd goes just absolutely dead silent. Like I thought, the yeah. crowd was pretty solid last night. Like like into things, and everybody took a piss. I took a every. Piss, but she's been on it. dynamite three times over the last two months. Every time is like crickets, like nobody gives a shit. And it's like, you got this women's division. It's like Ruby Soho. Everybody still likes her. I know Mike, you're not the biggest fan, but regardless, she's a known commodity. And she's like doing elevation when Marina Jafir, who's got nothing, is on Dynamite two weeks in a row in the one. Dynamite has one women's match every week. And Marina Jafir has hogged two of them in the last two weeks. She's been throwing in like, remember when she was like trying to hurt Tony Storm with like her hip? She was yeah. just like lunge in with her hip last night. Like she's trying she to make yeah. MMA like attacks, strikes look effective in wrestling entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Like I watched NXT back when, um, Shayna Baszler like made her rise. She was like, holy shit. She like looked like she was legitimately injuring, like, like dislocating yeah, arms and like hurting people. She was r- to the point where she was so effective at it that I like heels. And I was like, I hated her because yeah. I'm like, oh, she's so fucking good. Like, yeah, she proved you can do that. Marina Shafir is not doing anything. I just said, she's not looking vicious. She's just looking boring. And like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so, it's such a fail. Yeah, it, it really is. And honestly, like I personally was never a fan of Shayna Baszler. I always thought like her style didn't really work well in the same way Marina Shafir's doesn't. So when she was NXT women's champion, I was not really a fan of the women's division. I thought she kind of lowered the entire division. Because you put her at the top, it's like, well, how are all these other girls if they can't beat her? But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. We could debate Shayna Baszler all night. But, anyway, all this being said, Tony Storm, I feel like, gets such a great reaction from the fans. You know, regardless of who she's going up against, obviously, Marina Shafir, like, of course, you're going to react more positively to Tony Storm. But, uh, you know, over the past several weeks, you know, every week almost, I think, she's been on Dynamite and always gets a big pop. Um, and her matches deliver. That's the other big thing. Like, she has a distinctive style. She has a lot of different moves. Like, every match she does, I feel like I'm seeing something different. So, I think she'd be a great women's champion, too. Like, we've only seen her in AEW for a short time. So, if she wins the title now, it's not like she's, you know, done everything she can do. And then we end right. up with another now what title reign, right? Kind of like what we've seen with Thunder Rosa. So, it, and, you know, like, I know we're dwelling on this match a little long, but I feel Thunder Rosa's title reign kind of mirrors what happened with Hangman Adam Page. You know, <laughs> the, I think the story was more about the chase and him finally getting it. And, or Britt you know, Baker, too. 
Right. And the same is true with Thunder Rosa. And in both those cases, when they did actually get it, I feel like they were just like a week or a month too late to the party. You know, like it, it was still exciting. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like they pulled the trigger a little too late. Um, and that seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of these long running storylines. But anyway, we're getting slightly off topic. I'm going to go with Tony Storm for all those reasons. Right. It's funny. I'm the biggest uh, Thunder Rosa fan there is. And I hope you're right. Are you going to use your kick out, Steve? I'll decide that later. Okay. No, I like your pick, Matt. Like I said, I'm current champ, and current champs have to be pussies. So uh, I'm sticking with Thunder Rosa as of now. But I'm rooting for you, bro. Let's get to the match that I'm most excited about at Forbidden Door. It's going to be Will Ospreay hmm. versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. This is a dream match. Uh, this was my first time seeing Will Ospreay uh, wrestle live ever, but I've been following him for a long time. One of the highlights in New Japan for me for sure I've never seen anybody sell better than this guy mm-hmm. that has his ability. Yeah, Ted DiBiase is my favorite seller of all time, but does he have the athletic ability of Will Ospreay? Fuck no. Will Ospreay is a specimen Clydesdale that can wrestle, that has the moves, that has the look, that has the youth, the wrestling knowledge, the wardrobe. He's literally the total package, and I'm so excited that he's going up against Orange Cassidy, who used to be white hot in AEW, cooled off a little bit when he got injured, was off TV for a little bit. He's been in some monumental matches in AEW. I'm so happy that he's getting this opportunity to wrestle, you know, probably the best in the world. Definitely top three. Um... We saw him wrestle last night at Dynamite and put on an amazing show. So that's why I am so excited about this Sunday, this match. I think Tony Khan is so excited to have Will Ospreay wrestle in his promotion under his baby, his brainchild, that he's not going to let Orange Cassidy win this. As much as I want Orange to win it, I really think... Will Ospreay will continue to be the IWGP champ. It would look so good on Orange because it is a USA title, so it could be cross-promotional very easily. And it would be very fun. Um, But I just think Tony Khan himself has too much respect for Will, and he's already lost a couple times in AEW already, so he's going to give him the great match against a great opponent in Orange. But retain the title so i'm going will osprey on this one yeah i think um on the one hand as aew centric fans it's like orange cassidy really needs this he's back he's getting some momentum back but this is a negotiation it's like this is a partnership tony khan's guys aren't going to win every match and i think the guy with the reputation of will osprey cannot lose this match and lose the title i think it'll be a great match as we got a little sneak peek yet last night but osprey all the way yep i am also going with will osprey i I mean, he's viewed as, like you said, Mike, that one of the top three in the world for sure, possibly the best. And that's 
by both fans and bookers and promoters. Like everybody feels that way and sees that. So if Orange Cassidy were to win, I don't know that anyone would buy into it. Um, and Steve, to your point, it's a co-promoted show. So some guys got to win some matches. Yeah. Other guys got to win other matches. I feel like in this pairing, I think Orange Cassidy is going to look phenomenal and it might be the best match of his career. I still think even if that does happen, Will Ospreay is going to go over. Yes. I am so excited. He looks so great. And since his debut in AEW, it's been so fun. I'm so jealous that I'm not going to see this. Charlie's going to be there live at the United Center this Sunday. It is going to be so great. I'm going to make sure that I don't let a watermelon margarita get within six feet of me. COVID Smart. rules. I might even wear a mask if somebody hands me one. So I don't <laughs> want to miss that match. Big time. All right. So another match that could be so crazy would be FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood, current Ring of Honor champions and uh are they triple a champions too they got another belt yep and uh they're going up against the united empire great okan and jeff cobb current iwgp tag champions versus rapongi vice rocky romero and tremperetta in a three-way tag team winner takes all match for the ring of honor tag team championship in the iwgp tag team championship a lot going on here. FTR. We've we've talked about it a million times. We don't need to get into too much about it. We saw Jeff Cobb in action last night on Dynamite. Super fun. Great Okan. Saw him too. He looks like a tough bastard. We love Rapongi Vice. We love Rocky Romero. We love Tremperetta. I am a Tremperetta dude, dude. I have yes. seen him last night. Dude, I love seeing him as a solo. He's just a fucking great guy. Like he's kind of like a a John Morrison that doesn't botch. Yes, you know what I mean. Great bod, takes the business seriously, but executes. And you know he's he's banged up, but still, like he he's such an asset to the company. Fuck. So this could be the match that actually tilts who will be King Booker for keep the kayfabe. Where my heart wants to go is FTR. But I don't know if they want to be hauling three sets of belts in suitcases because that would be a lot of luggage to travel around with. Very heavy, big pain in the ass. U.S. Customs is crazy right now. So if they're going over to Japan, I don't know. So the current champs are Great Okan and Jeff Cobb for those... IWGPs. I don't think anything changes here. It has to change. Uh, it's well, winner yes, take yes. all. Well, well, this is what I, I was about to get to. Like, sorry. Yeah. I I wish nothing changed because it's already like I love all these people so much. You know what? I I just pumped Trent Beretta's tires. Rapongi Vice. There's some reminiscence there. There needs to be a Dark Horse win. People that have followed New Japan for a long time, and I guess these guys are legends there. Charlie's not here to talk about it. Rapongi Vice, he's, he pumps them hard. Trent Beretta is all-deserving. 
FTR might have bigger things on the horizon. Probably go for the AEW Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks. I'm going Rapongi Vice to win this winner take all against a star studded tag team six way here. Three way, three way tag team. It's a bold so, pick. I I'm love going it. bold. I mean, if that I happened. If that I happened, to... I would pop hard because those guys are deserving because they're just hard workers. Yeah. I need to do something because it's, again, it's the Ring of Honor championship belts. Ring of Honor hasn't really been established that well in on American soil right now. It's got history, but relevancy right now, it needs something interesting. FTR is bigger than Ring of Honor. Rapongi would be great. And then take some belts off these guys who are also great. Give them some street cred. I'm going there. I love it. What do you it. say, Steve? I want to. I want to have the courage you do and go with that pick because I think it's a great pick. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. I mean, you said so much good stuff there. I'm not gonna try to match it, but um, I like. I think Rapungi Vice would be fun. I I have no connection with Jeff Cobb and. What's his face? Khan O'Khan. Uh, I'm not a Ring of Honor guy. Those guys mean nothing to me. I think Jeff Cobb had a good match yesterday. I think in some of their run-ins in the weeks before, they they just seem kind of sloppy to me. I know that's probably sacrilege to Charlie if he was here, but so I'm just inherently not going to pick those guys because I just don't really they, they don't do anything for me. I'm going to go FTR simply because I don't have the answers on how they're going to manage a uh, new Japan title, but I also feel they're the greatest tag team on the planet right now. So why not give them the, the all the accolades? So I'm going FTR. Yep. I, I'm also going to go FTR. Uh, and just thinking about it, you know, trying to justify my mind. Okay. Well, what if they win? You know, it kind of goes back to my idea earlier, so I'm kind of banking on this fantasy booking idea a little hard, but if AEW continues to partner with New Japan, and this is just the beginning of it, it makes sense for FTR to win the IWGP tag titles because they are almost pulling the belt collector gimmick that Kenny Omega was pulling, you know, a year or more ago at this yes. time. But in That's the why division, I don't want to do it, though, because we've seen that in the singles, too. We but have. not from good guys. Right. That's true. Okay. And not in the tag division. So I, you know, and, and I remember like months ago, everybody's talking about how FTR is one of like the best tag team in the world, arguably. Meanwhile, Jurassic Express was the AEW tag champs. So where does that leave FTR, right? Well, now they've kind of started going down this path. It makes sense to keep going down it because I don't see any reason they shouldn't win. Like my gut tells me like, oh yeah, I'd love to see FTR win those titles. So you know, yeah, totally put it on them. And now Rapungi Vice, you know, Mike, to your point, I love those guys. Like, they're really good. And I feel like they do deserve something. But you put them in the ring with, like, FTR and Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan, like, who, admittedly, I don't really know much about from New Japan. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I can't see Rapungi Vice winning it. I feel like Jeff Cobb and the Great Ocon is kind of a toss-up. By the way, for our listeners out there, um, this is going to be a quick spoiler on Rampage because at the time this recording is coming out, Rampage will not have aired yet, but we've actually seen it. Um, so you can just go ahead and skip 15 seconds if you want, but Jeff Cobb goes over in the main event of Rampage. So if WWE booking rules apply, that means he's going to lose at Forbidden Door, which means they wouldn't get the pin. So 
lot of things at play here. Um, but all that being said, I think FTR wins and it plays into them starting to do more in New Japan just because Ring of Honor doesn't really have anything going on right now and AAA is very infrequent shows. Um, so they wouldn't be stretching themselves too thin with you know three major tag titles at the same time. Okay. Well, I hope, Matt, you are willing to go on their GoFundMe for their luggage carry-ons because they're going to have to pack an extra bag for all these titles, and it's going to be very heavy. It's probably going to be over 50 pounds. They're going to have to split up the belt. If there's three belts in one suitcase, I bet it's over 50 pounds. So I'm going logistically like that. I'm making my picks based off of travel. They might have to hire Tully again to help carry all their stuff. (laughs) Fair. All right. Well, yeah, that one's definitely going to tilt it. I mean, FTR, I'm glad to hear you say that, Matt, that they're the best in the world. I know you weren't totally 100% on board with them, but usually you come around a little later after you see the pudding in the proof. So, um, nah, yeah, you got the joke. (laughs) So, yeah. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I want a little wild card pick on this because right now, I like it. Matt, you're you're kind of going rogue a little bit with some great picks uh, that I can see kicking out to, but I'm going to try to offset you with an original on my own. So let's get to one that is very interesting. We saw Zack Sabre Jr. come out just mm. to stare at Brian Danielson last night on Dynamite. So you know it meant business. Danielson comes out and he says, yeah, I was going to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door, but I'm hurt. I'm not cleared. He got really fucked up during the anarchy in the arena. So not so like Steve alluded to earlier in the show, the rest, the injury bug has really hit these wrestlers in AEW and we're going to have to come up with a substitute. So we got Zack Sabre Jr. versus a mystery opponent that Brian Danielson is choosing. And it is going to be extraordinary. And it's going to be a very big technical wrestler. So why don't we do two things here. Let's pick who we think is going to be wrestling as the guest. And who is going to be winning this match versus Zack Sabre Jr. I So Steve. I... I... Oh yeah. Or Matt, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, are I was you just all volunteering to go ahead? So, I know that I have the option to hear you both out and then make my pick, but I've already made up my mind on this one. I and like it. I think when we saw Brian Danielson cut his promo last night on Dynamite or Wednesday, depending on when this is released, he did make the statement about you're going to be astounded by what he does in AEW meaning he's not currently in AEW. So it's going to be some sort of debut of some kind. And I think so. Just based on that alone, whoever this person is, I think is going to end up winning. I think Zack Sabre Jr. loses, which is a big leap of faith I'm making because when I was watching New Japan, Zack Sabre Jr. is incredible. If you guys have never seen his matches, he does He's nothing so but submissions, essentially, and his style is one of the most unique styles I've ever seen. He's completely different from every other wrestler. So you're going to love He reverses the moves. He puts moves in that he dreams wrestling. Yes. Like, he probably lays in bed and can't fall asleep until he chain wrestles 16 moves against an imaginary opponent. Like, the he's guy, insane. The, the guy is incredible. Every match is unique. Um, so... 
with all that being said, it probably sounds even crazier, but I am picking whoever this debut is. And now as far as who the person is, there's been a lot of talk about Cesaro. Um, and I could see it happening. It almost seems too obvious, like too many people are saying it. And I, and I just love a good swerve sometimes. And we haven't seen Johnny Gargano debut yet. And he mm. is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. And he's also the person that's going to replace Brian Danielson at Blood and Guts. Brian Danielson talked about how he is great in those kinds of matches as well. I can't see Cesaro in a Blood and Guts match. Now, granted, I never saw his Ring of Honor content, so that is something to consider. But all that being said, I think it's going to be Johnny Gargano. Okay. So Gargano debuting and Gargano winning is what you were saying, Matt. That is what I'm saying. Cool. Hmm. Interesting. May I go? Yep. I am going to depart from my former, you know, one of the best friends um, on both picks. Ooh. Yeah. This is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Cesaro being the pick. I think it is a bit predictable, but I think it's eminently logical. Um, what's interesting that I don't know that you guys know, or maybe we talked about this because we were in the crowd we didn't hear the announcing but they did make the statement that the member the 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 replacement person is going to become a member of the blackpool combat club oh so i don't know if you knew that i did um i'm gonna go cesaro i think it's eminently logical and i'm going to actually predict that zach saber jr beats him in an outstanding match because i think if it's cesaro he doesn't need to win I mean, it's not like he's going to go on some massive terror. I mean, he's like gold and he's a player <laughs> coach and he's everybody's going to be happy to see him. But he doesn't need to be the victor against the, you know, one of the greatest contemporaries of, the, of our time. So, yeah, I'm going to say Cesaro's the guy and he's going to lose. That's a good to pick. Zach Saber I, Jr. I, so I will say there's a very good chance you're right. But if you're not, you're looking at the new King Booker very likely. Yeah. I'm putting it all out there. Well, not after my pick, my friends. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's Mojo Raleigh. You bring up a very good point there, Steve. In Cesaro, that was what was circulating around the Panther Arena here in the great state of Wisconsin, in the great city of Milwaukee. I uh, took to the internet <laughs> and asked what it thought. And there's this guy named Josh Woods uh, that was the former Ring of Honor Pure Champion who lost the belt to Wheeler Yuta at Supercard of Honor. He's a technical grappler with an NCAA and MMA experience in wrestling, which would be a great technical ad. And, I mean, this guy's name is Josh Woods. Who the fuck knows Josh Woods? I don't. Charlie. Charlie would. So, to debut him on already a wacky card would make total sense. There's already all these names out there that nobody fucking knows. Let's get another guy out there that gets some exposure, but for the deep cuts, that'd be like, oh, they got Josh Woods? Oh! So, I'm going Josh (laughs) Woods, and I'm going to say he loses to Zack Sabre Jr. too. So, yeah, Josh Woods for me. Saber wins. Wow. Here's the deal. 
they got to be careful. And we talked at length about how AEW is stretching this line between like, like nerd versus like mainstream. Um, I honestly think if it's anybody other than Cesaro or Gargano, the crowd's going to be bored, like not into it. Like, I mean, maybe Chicago crowd, if some tickets are sold, if some ring of honor guy comes out, they might get excited. But I think the way Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson set this thing up. If it's somebody like you just named, like they're going to be like, like half the crowd's going to like cream their shorts, but the other half's going to be like, uh, who dude, dude, this is all Tony Khan though. I, I don't think I don't think anybody is really on Tony Khan's enthusiasm level. Think about this. There are passionate wrestling fans and then there are rich passionate wrestling fans. Tony <laughs> Khan is one of those rich passionate wrestling fans that can make anything happen out of thin air. Then there's like the poor wrestling fans that'd be like, "Wouldn't it be great <laughs> if Josh Woods showed up against blah blah blah?" Like I don't, we're I'm not sitting here knowing that Josh Wood, who Josh Woods is. I've never, I don't even know what this guy looks like, but I'm picking him. So well, yeah. that's why I don't. That's why I think it could legitimately happen because Tony Khan is at the helm, who is just, I mean, he jacks it to these indie guys, to these Japan guys, to these Ring of Honor guys, Impact, TNA, former WWE. I mean, the world is his oyster. And other, Josh Woods, the fact that he's so far under the radar, he might even save some money. Mike, you remind na- me of Chris Jericho leaving his title belt at Longhorn Steakhouse because there is no way you're holding on to the King Booker title with booking like that. No, you just lost it. You just officially lost it. Well, um, I, the other name I that the I heard on this show. Pretty so much of the guys. same vein that you <laughs> pretty much the same vein of what you said. There was I, I read some things saying like it could be Gresham, the current Ring of Honor champion. But again, even though he's the Ring of Honor champion, I think the crowd would be like, Oh, that's kind of underwhelming. Yeah, anyone from hey, Ring of Honor is gonna be a if, flat pick. Yes. Hey, if if Josh I want you best friends to be in agreement. If Josh Woods is the guy, do I get two points? Yes, I'll I'll give you that totally. because this is going to be your Darby Allen's the uh, uh CM Punk follow up, <laughs> where like it was so inspired as like you got shit for it and then it's like holy cow they went there. Yeah, if it's Josh I don't Woods, get enough respect on this show. It. We respect yeah. you. No, yeah, thank you. We respect you, but this Josh what's his face so like he can <laughs> he can eat a dick. Dude, I am so ready for Josh Woods to come out on. Sorry, Josh, Sunday. if you're if you're a fan of Keep the Game Fame, I I no disrespect, man. Well, actually, yeah, he's actually coming up as our next interview on episode ninety two. You're gonna tell him that I told him to eat a dick. I hope not. I might have to miss that episode. We're gonna play it back. <laughs> anyway, no, he's not coming. Okay, good. All right, so let's uh, keep her rolling here. We only got a couple matches left. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this it's a long far. episode. Yeah, it is. So we appreciate you all so much, especially out in New Jersey. There is a huge match coming up now. It is Jay White versus the Painmaker, Rainmaker, Okada versus Adam Cole versus Adam Page in a four-way match. 
for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, there's a lot going on in this one. There is arguably the greatest wrestler in Japan taking place. We saw him come out last night at Dynamite. Big reception. Very disjointed match. Silas Young, the local hero, was going up against our Adam Hangman Page. Put on a great show. Got a lot of good time. And then the payoff... Okada makes his debut in AEW in Milwaukee. Unbelievable. You got Adam Cole in the ring. You got Jay White. What's going to happen? I'm going to say Jay White is going to retain this title. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too much greatness in the kitchen. Keep it simple, stupid. We need Jay White to retain this just because he just got it. And he's a great champ. He's in great He's in great shape. Nothing against Okada. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's basically like the John Cena of um, Japan, as far as I know. And uh, Adam Cole, he's, I mean, he's so white hot, just without anything. Adam Page, he's a working man. He's going to keep working no matter what. He could take a pin. He'll come back next week, wrestle a big match. Nothing's going to change here. It's Jay White all the way. Yep. I was actually going to say the same thing. Um and I realize I'm also not going last, but I, like I said, I've made the decision. So, yeah, I'm also going to go with Jay White retaining. Just like you said, Mike, too many cooks in the kitchen. Hey, you summed it up perfectly, I think. Um, I think this is another great example of AEW overcomplicating the booking that led up to this match. At the same time, if the plan was to have Jay White retain, it does make sense to make the match this convoluted because you can have a bunch of great wrestlers in the ring, all world champion caliber talent at the same time, but make it seem totally okay. Like somebody's got to win, right? So it makes sense for Jay White to retain in this case. Now, I don't know where this is going to go after the fact, you know, does Jay White pin Adam Cole and then does that lead to fallout between their friendship? I don't know. Um, They could do something cool like that. Or spin it into some really cool spots between you know Okada and Adam Page, um, who I believe have faced in New Japan before, before Adam Page came to AEW. So they definitely have history there. There's a lot of cool things they can play off of. I'm sure it'll be great on the night, but yeah, in the whole grand scheme of things, yeah, this is a little messy. I, I think we're going to see Switchblade retain. gonna keep this simple in the interest of time switchblade i think it's gonna stay with new japan i think it's the obvious yeah i think for all the reasons you i have nothing else to add switchblade i'm just gonna keep it simple all right good enough and i'm sure the listeners appreciate it also let's move along to the main event john moxley versus versus the ace hiroshi tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship, we've said CM Punk is injured. We're going to see a new champ to hold that title until CM Punk is healed up enough to get it back. So we're going to see John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Steve? Yeah. So this is interesting to me because you the most predictable route to go is where AEW was going. And that was Tanahashi was supposed to wrestle CM Punk for the title at Forbidden Door. 
CM Punk got injured. So they've gone this whole interim thing with whoever wins this is eventually going to face CM Punk to reunite the titles. So the obvious answer would be they're just taking a securitist route to where they were going all along. Tanahashi Punk. Um, that doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. They could just have decided that, you know what, Moxley Punk, that's a main event in any country. Um I am going to go with Tanahashi winning it because I, I'm going to go with the plan, the odds that they want. They're going to get back to what they were planning, that this is a bump in the road. CM Punk um, shouldn't be out too long, kind of based on the optimism, they said. So I think they're going to get to the Tanahashi CM Punk they've always wanted. I don't think Moxley needs the title, even though he's doing some brilliant work. Tanahashi. All right. Very good. So, I love John Moxley. I love his promos. I loved him when he was Dean Ambrose in WWE. We don't like to even talk about that name on this podcast, but I I think he's amazing. John Moxley does amazing things everywhere. Every promotion that he touches. This is a very interesting scenario for him right now. But again, John Moxley is not booking this. This is Tony Khan. This is Tony Khan's brainchild. You have to win King Booker this week. You have to get into the mind of Tony Khan and where, how hard he gets for certain opponents. And I think he gets pretty <laughs> fucking hard for the ace, Tanahashi. So that's why I'm going with Tanahashi. He is going to give respect where respect is due. This guy is a fucking maniac. I mean, these these two guys no-sold in the ring on Rampage. Was it Rampage, I think? No, uh, I think it was Dynamite. Was it Dynamite? Yeah, it I can't remember. It was all blended together a little bit. But um, these guys no-sold in the ring for at least four or five minutes while all this chaos was going on around them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it looked on TV because I didn't have a chance to watch it yet. But um, I just I just want... This whole celebration of New Japan and AEW coming together to have a little diversity because it would be so easy for us to pick guys that we're familiar with. And I just I just think uh, Tanahashi would be fun. So let's go Tanahashi. Boy, I, I did not know. I thought I knew what I was going to pick coming into this, and now I'm so torn. Um, initially, I was going to go with John Moxley. Uh, and honestly, I don't know that you guys sold me on Tanahashi, but I could also see him winning. Um, this is probably the best match on the card as far as like predictability. Like I genuinely at this point now don't really know who's going to win. Um, but despite all that, I, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Tanahashi because Steve, you made a really good point. This could just be a bump in the road. They initially wanted to see Punk wrestle Tanahashi, and I'm sure Punk wants to. I'm sure that's part of this entire arrangement. And Tanahashi winning the title makes it the perfect opportunity for Punk to do that. Um, now, that, But that opens up the question, though, and I don't know how much longer Punk is on the shelf and recovering. Does somebody else in the meantime step in to challenge Tanahashi after this, if Tanahashi's champion? I, I don't even know how that would work. Mm, here it is oh my gosh yeah Kenny Omega but then how 
it's so I, that, don't get me wrong that'd be amazing but then how does punk fit back in when he comes back i because i Who feel knows when like he's back i don't know they got to keep the people entertained i feel like tony khan is on adderall for all the shit that he has going on mm-hmm. and i don't even think where he he knows where all of his storylines are going on right. at this point Mm-hmm. Like it's it's gotten to be a point, and Matt, you've talked about it on past episode. There's like too much talent on TV for the amount of time that they have, and I mean, this is like the fifth big pay per view that could be a tradition for AEW. There's Revolution, Full Gear, Double or Nothing, and All In, or All Out, whatever they want to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. But they could make this an annual thing in June, so. You know, they like all bets are off at this point. This is probably the hardest pay per view to book of all time for the Keep the K Fape crew. So, definitely, totally. Yeah, I think there's enough chop in the water that we're gonna see a champion. So, I don't think we're gonna need to fill in any last minute stipulations here. All we got to do is watch it on Sunday. It is Forbidden Door at the yep. United Center. And it is going to be freaking awesome. I think it's going to be on Bleacher Report. Um, I'm not drinking any watermelon margaritas this round. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be at Strawberry Fest with Lit MKE. So, local listeners, come on out. See that. Um, let's get to the mailbag real quick for a promo of the week. Because that's the only thing left in this show. You've been listening to us long enough. And I know this is a crowd favorite. This comes from Luke. They used to call me Luke the Juke because I always played the best tunes on the jukebox. Here's an oldie but a goodie for keep the kayfabe listeners out there. King Kong Bundy. So he sends us King Kong Bundy from New Haven Coliseum promo October 12th, 1987. He's back there with Bobby the Brain Heaton, but King Kong Bundy looks pissed and he's got something to say. Let's listen in. Pretty New Haven at the Coliseum coming up a week from Monday night. Monday night, October the 12th, 7.30 p.m. start. What a fantastic card. 18 men at a gigantic battle royal. You know what happens to the winner of a battle royal. All kinds of doors are opened. You talk about the financial remuneration. It's great. And, of course, title shots. It all happens to the man who can survive, who can win. And an 18-man battle royal. In addition to that battle royal, the Rougeos going up against the new dream team of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Dino Bravo. Hillbilly Jim to beat Hercules Bobby Heenan, the Honky Tonk Man, the reigning intercontinental heavyweight champ to meet the magnificent Morocco, Ivan Putsky on the card, Dingo Warrior, Outback Jack, and a host of other greats all in New Haven a week from this Monday night. Mr. You're a liar. I beg your pardon? I'm not the governor. You're a liar. I'm a liar. How many men battle royal is that? 18 men. You're a liar. You're Orndorff's not going to make it to the battle royal. Now you stand corrected. Because we have plans for Mr. Wonderful. I have 460-some pounds of plans for Mr. Wonderful. And they all start right here with what I like to call the new Mr. Wonderful. Well, it might be a little more than 468. This guy just whistled through four plates of eggs Benedict. King Kong Bundy... Welcome back to New Haven. You know, little man, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to call me King Kong Bundy, six foot five inches tall, 468 pounds? Call me Mr. Wonderful instead of some sawed-off little runt like Orndorff. You know something, Orndorff? What's the most devastating move? What's the great move that Paul Orndorff has? 
He's got the pile he driver. He doesn't know that. Boss, what? It's the pile driver. They I call know. it the powder. How's he going to pile drive 468 pounds of King Kong Bundy? Can you picture that happening? Can you see that happening? And yet you take the avalanche, the greatest move in professional wrestling, 3,000 pounds per square inch when I hit. The Orndorff likes yeah. to put baby oil over his body. So I suggest the people in the first 63 rows wear a raincoat. Because when this man hits them, he's going to knock all the oil off him so hard, people are going to be sliding out of that building. There's going to be an 18-man battle royal, but there's not going to be 18 men in it. There's going to be 17 men in it. Orndorff, you're going to be on your way and one with a bunch of paramedics trying to put you all back oh, together. Wait, wait a minute. You, saying you better cut? get ready. You know, there ain't going to be no pose, Dad. It's going to be a fight. And that's I take care of you, punk. I'm going to win the battle royal and take everything. You know, what do you think about the battle royal? Who do you have <laughs> Take in everything. Who do you have in there? The hillbilly Jim? Mm -hmm. What threat is he? He's just a big dumb hick from Stupid Hayseed. The Rougeau, you split them up. One can't think without the other. Hey, what about Husky? That? Ivan Putsky. Husky, throw him over the bottom rope. What do you have then? Outhouse Jack? These guys are too much. I mean, much. think about it. I've got the best I'll there. think about it. New Haven, get ready a week for Monday night. We're going to be at the Coliseum. Well, there it is. 1987, King Kong Bundy. He looked pretty young at this point, but he, he, he hung in there for a long time, right? He made a couple returns to WWE. I think he was even an Undertaker WrestleMania opponent later on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he admittedly, he was a little bit before my time. Um, even in the 90s, I don't know. I feel like I just missed him. I, I've definitely seen him now, but don't know a ton about him. But God rest yeah. his soul. Yes. That would be a great keep the kayfabe next pay-per-view, like, who has the honor of going last name all of the undertaker opponents at wrestlemanias holy like, crap just keep just keep going until you run out like i'm gonna start studying yeah study up because i'm taking this one boys i'm a new japan wrestling expert and i played it a little conservative with a little wild card mike bait host style Keep it fun. Keep it interesting for the listeners. We appreciate you listeners so, so much. Uh, write to us at keepthekfabe414 at gmail.com or follow us and shoot us a DM at keepthekfabe keep on Instagram or Facebook. It's going to be real fun. So pretty much what we got to do this weekend is only three things. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is stay humble. Stay hungry and stay hard. And he's not here, but I'll do my best. <clears throat> Triple H! Woo!